When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And Taylor, first and foremost, just want to wish anybody listening who had celebrated over the weekend a happy belated Father's Day and Juneteenth. But in the world of the NHL, the Colorado Avalanche are off to a commanding 2 to nothing lead in the Stanley Cup final against the Tampa Bay Lightning as Colorado put up a touchdown on them in Game 2, a 7 to nothing win over the reigning two-time Stanley Cup champions. So Taylor, I want to go back to our last episode because I had brought up a point that I was of the belief that whatever team was able to first win two games in a row was ultimately going to be the team that was going to end up winning the cup. And this was said in the context of believing that this game was going to end up going seven series and very be very evenly matched back and forth. But boy, oh boy, Colorado took over and dominated game two. Again, a seven to nothing win against the Lightning. Is the series over, Taylor? In all likelihood, yeah. I mean, what you said about uh, winning two games in a row, I see what you're saying, but I don't know what the percentage is on teams that win two games in a row in a seven-game series, but I'm guessing it's over three-quarters of them win the series. It's right. It's it's just like nature of, of the thing. But, yeah, I mean, I don't want to count the lightning out, but Vasilevsky did not look good at all last night. And, the I mean, even even down multiple goals, like immediately, they were down three goals in the first period. When that happens, what tends to happen is the team that's down tends to get a lot more shots throughout the rest of the game, particularly if they never score. Uh, teams go pretty much every NHL team tends to go into a shell, and meanwhile the other team will try to take more shots than they used to. That's it's a very common principle. It's why a lot of people throw analytics out the window when the score is so lopsided. Well, it didn't matter. They still only had 16 shots. That that didn't happen at all. They Darcy Kemper barely had anything to do all game, despite. The big lead, it just it's, Tampa just really didn't show up at all in this game, which is it's it's kind of stunning to me. And then if you look at Colorado, it's all down the score sheet. I, when, when we watched the uh, the Oilers games throughout this playoffs, yeah, they had some better secondary scoring than they've had in the past. But you could bet if they won, you were going to get quite a few points out of Drysdale and McDavid. Uh, and this side, it's not quite like that. McKinnon had one assist. Uh, Rantanen had three assists, which is nice. You had two goals from Nachushkin, uh, two assists from Newhook, a goal from Helm. Two goals from Makar, who again was awesome and is starting to seem like the likely Con Smythe winner. Just a, a dominant game all the way around. And unfortunately, at the same time, 
that the Colorado Mammoth won the NLL championship Ugh. and a heartbreaker for the, for the Buffalo bandits. Ugh. Very, very tough. So I'm curious then Taylor, because in game one, of course, Colorado ends up winning that game four to three in overtime. It was a great game. Game two, obviously far, far more lopsided, but looking ahead to game three here in your eyes, what do you think that Tampa has to do to right the ship and get this to being a two to one series? I think for starters, you're going to have to see better goaltending out of Vasilevsky. Uh, was it Wednesday? That Yeah, the Wednesday they played game one when we recorded during the first period. Now that game, they ended up coming back to tie it, and they, you know, it was an overtime loss. So Colorado was definitely the better team, but just by a little bit. That's the kind of game I was expecting, and I think everyone was expecting. Uh, Vasilevsky wasn't great, though, in that, and it, it helps when he's great. I mean, that's kind of an oversimplification, but he was great for most of the first three rounds, and that's why Tampa was able to – get back to the Stanley Cup for the third year in a row. He giving up seven goals is that, that says everything, but giving up four goals on like 35 shots or whatever it was on Wednesday. That's also not what you want him to be doing. It's not a disaster of a game or anything, but that was not great. So he's given up 11 goals in two games and yeah, no, I mean, it's going back to Tampa. So I don't think this will be a sweep, but I, it's looking bleak for the lightning. I think it might be getting to the point where they're tired. A lot of guys in this team, not only do they play more games this playoffs, not only do they have the super tough series against Toronto and this, uh, this conference final, that was a six gamer against the Rangers. They made the cup three years in a row. Like, and this, and that, that started what in July, the playoffs started in July of 2020 in the bubble. Mm-hmm. They came back and they didn't do the playoffs right away. They did that like play in and then they did the playoffs. Tampa made it through all of that. They played more than 20 games, well over 20 games that year. And then had immediately turned around in a short off season, 56 game season, playoffs again. And then to get back on something of a schedule, they had to do another short turnaround. So that's, I'm sure that's getting to them. Like I said, Colorado, you know, in some ways it helped themselves for this series by getting eliminated early two years in a row. Yeah, that's. And then uh, having two sweeps. No, for sure. And I think on top of that, of course, like you said, you know, you need to see Vazlevsky play better. I mean, seven goals, as good as Colorado is, that's just an all around massive team failure in that sense. And, you know, with a team as good as Tampa Bay is and a team with the pedigree that they have with winning back to back cups, I agree with you that I don't think that we're heading towards a sweep or anything like that. But I mean, you need your star players to step up. I, I, if I'm not mistaken, you know, of course, obviously last game was a shutout, but Steven Stamkos doesn't have a point yet in this series. I think Kucherov maybe only had an assist in game one. Um, you know, you need these guys that are really the, the engine that pushes your team to, to put you over the top here. You know, that goes for, for Victor Hedman as well. I mean, he only has an assist now through two games. Braden point, I think only has an assist. So you know, while it's certainly not over yet. And I think also, like I had alluded to before, just how close game one was is is an indication that the rest of the series more likely than not is not going to go how game two went. I think it's going to be a little bit closer to how game one was, you know, it's on Tampa at this point that you just, you need your big guys to come up and produce for you now and to come back from a two to nothing deficit. It's going to be on your leaders and so that's, again, Stamkos and Kucherov and Hedman, you know, they are going to be the ones that are going to need to really put the team on their back here and, and 
you know, take them over the top in game three so that they can try and make a series out of this because if it gets to three, nothing, I mean, it'll go without saying that Colorado is going to win the series, but then you really do have to question like, Oh my God, are they actually going to sweep Tampa? And that's a very real possibility. I mean, I think Tampa is going to come out strong in the next game for sure. You would have to think a veteran team like that isn't just going to roll over after they got their asses beat. But at the same time, they could also be Colorado is, is, you know, sensing the blood in the water and is ready to just pounce on them and just end this thing. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. So I'm assuming you're going to change your prediction from seven games. Now, how, how long do you think this series goes at this stage of the game? Well, out of respect to Tampa, I'll say six games still. I'm going to move mine to six as well. Yeah, if it was any other team, I would uh, I'd say seven. But I have some faith that Vasilevsky could come through. Or like you mentioned, they have three potential Hall of Fame forwards that could break through and, and start to play better. You know, maybe they needed these two games. Maybe Colorado – not maybe. Colorado is definitely just more fresh than them. But – if they're gonna if they're gonna do anything, they're gonna have to win both games at home. So I guess my new prediction is they win the home games and then they lose the next two. So when we talk next okay. Sunday, it'll be the last game of the series. That's my prediction. I believe it next Sunday. Yeah, Sunday it'll be. Yeah. So we'll talk Sunday night. Maybe we'll maybe we'll do that during the game. Yeah, that could be really cool. That'd if be it's a, a possibility. At one point, I just want to make to a stat that I just remembered I'd come across too after last night's game. This, you know, as we're talking about the Lightning needing to step up and really score goals, I mean, seven nothing, obviously, you know, that's that's just textbook Colorado of them being able to put up crazy numbers like that. But of the 16 playoff games that the Avalanche have played in 12 of them, they have scored four or more goals. Wow. Yeah. Four or more goals in 12 of their 16 playoff games. That is really making things easy on, on Kemper and, and Pavel. Yeah, it's why they it's why they're I able to win without so. getting great save percentages. I mean, obviously they had a thousand save percentage last night, but still, man, that's awesome. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. That's what hockey needs. I was listening to some idiot whose name I don't even want to say, but I'm going to say it. It's Bill Simmons. Uh, <laughs> kind of brought this up out of nowhere about well, he was talking about what a great matchup for the NBA Finals, Golden State and Boston is, not just from a on the court perspective, but for the league. Which I never like to think about that. I don't care one iota what's good for the league. That's a bunch of billionaires. They make a little bit less money. I don't care. But the funny thing is he's like, oh, man, Edmonton and New York are in the conference finals. That's the matchup. And it's like, do you know people live in Edmonton? Not no. many. And I know I know what he's saying because McDavid's there and he's the biggest star. And it'd be New York is – I mean, I guess also it's hard to explain to American non-huge hockey fans that, like, New York is actually, like, the third – not the third biggest market, but the third most fans. It's only the third biggest fan base in the NHL. It's not like the other sports in America. And it's split. I mean, all the New York fan bases are split, but whatever. Rangers are split with the Islanders among New York people still. So Toronto and Montreal are still bigger fan bases. It's hockey still. It's not that huge most places in America. Not big cities, at least. Shit, Chicago would be catching them with a national fan base. The Rangers have no national fan base in America. It is not like, well, it's very much not like the Yankees, I'll say. And it's not even like the Mets. Not like the Knicks, even. It's not, it's not like that. It's because the Rangers have won one Stanley Cup in 82 years. And they haven't been, you know, terrible that whole time. They've been pretty good for the last, last 15 years, especially. They've, they've generally been a competitive team, but they're not like that kind of team. So that's stupid. The other thing is, like, acting like the NHL did something wrong or, or it's just, like, something bad happened to the NHL. And it's like, 
Well, you know, those teams are huge underdogs. It's not only a surprise they lost. No one was expecting those teams to go to the conference finals. Hell, Edmonton, like, they if they would have lost to the Kings, no one would have batted an eye. It would have been like, oh, yeah, there's Edmonton again, losing in the mm-hmm. first round because their team sucks outside of a couple guys. And the other thing that's wrong is like, oh, you get to see Mc David and Drysdale. Sure, that's a good showcase for those guys, which it is. But also, you know, it's a good showcase for the the league. Also, McKinnon and McCarr and Randon. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I mean McKinnon is like ninety percent good as McDavid. No one, no one's. Is, is there anyone you're like, oh, that guy's for sure better than than McKinnon as a forward, except for McDavid? In terms of on ice impact, maybe you make the argument for Austin Matthews last season. Yeah, yeah, he had a better season for sure. He but definitely had a better McKinnon season. was also hurt through parts of the year too, and guy's yeah, been the playoff performer of uh, well, that's of your this top generation. What's that? He's been the playoff performer of anyone oh, who yeah. hasn't really like advanced. He's been he said crazy numbers every playoffs, and then also McCarr, not only the best defenseman in the NHL, but the most exciting. Yeah, no, I completely agree on both fronts. I mean, hey, you know how I feel about McCarr. I think that, you know, everybody talks about him with perennial Norris. I, I think that dude's going to be an MVP contention sooner rather than later. Like regularly, yeah. he's going to be up there. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure no defenseman has won an MVP in 20 years. If I'm mistaken. He's be the one to change it. I think so. I think he could be. I think if I had a vote in 2016, I would have given it to Eric Carlson. I thought he was unbelievable back then. Yeah. I think he should have won MVP. There's probably a year you could find for Lidstrom oh, too, yeah. I'm sure, but it's not easy to break through. How many Norrises does Lidstrom have? Something stupid, right? I was looking like at six. the Yeah, I was looking at the NHL's uh, Instagram today, and they've been doing these winners through the years of various awards, or they're like those slide throughs, and they did one for the Norris and it was like the first six slides. It was like Lidstrom, 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 Lidstrom. <laughs> Crazy. But I, I would agree that those are the two that probably come to mind the most. Definitely Carlson though. I mean, he was just really playing at a different level and elevating everybody else around him in a way that. He led uh, the league in assists no defense as a defenseman. What's that? He led the league in assists. Yeah. That's what I mean. It, it's crazy. We yeah. were, Oh God. If he wouldn't have uh, gotten that injury, the the leg injury, man, I would have really, really loved to see. I, we talk about Carlson a lot on here, which I think is kind of funny, but like just in general, he's he's really one of those guys that has had a dominant career and obviously is, I mean, I think, you know, he's got multiple Norris trophies. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame, but he is one of those guys, though, that it does make you wonder, like, if he didn't have the injuries that affected his skating so much, uh, how good would he still be now and just how much would have been made up for over these past few years with San Jose, where he really hasn't been his usual self. I mean, this past year, we've talked about him a good amount, just that he had a nice little return to form this season, but again, he still was dealing with lingering I- injury issues. And so, I don't know. I, I, it's easy to get down those rabbit holes because you could do that with countless players of the what ifs, if they didn't have, you know, whatever injury or if they weren't in X situation or played for coach, whoever, but Carlson, I think is one of those guys too, that like, I think beyond that, he's just like a very likable player as well. And so it kind of adds a little bit extra to it where it's like, damn, I wonder really what this guy, you know, could be doing at this stage of the game as he's in his early thirties now. Yeah. Well, 
another thing I was just thinking of while you were saying that is the year I was talking about, 2015-16, he didn't actually win the Norris either. Yeah, he won in 16-17, didn't he? No, I think he won in 14-15 and 11-12. Really? He, uh, Why did I think he... Oh, interesting. I'm looking now. Yeah, he won in 14-15 and 11-12, and he was second in 16 and second in 17. That's probably what I was... Th- okay, yeah. So, yeah, he was second in 2016 to Drew Doughty, which was an annoying year. It's a year where everyone was like, can you believe Drew Doughty has never won the Norris? It's like, yeah, well, Drew Doughty's like 25 years old. A lot of guys haven't won the Norris by the time they're 25. Right. Yeah, I, I agree with your point because right now, as it stands, he's 31. He's been not the same guy the last four, uh, three years or so. And he still has 660 points. So he really could have pushed for 1,000 points as a defenseman in this era if he were healthy this whole time. What's his point breakdown and games played breakdown like the past like four years out of curiosity? 45 and 53, 40 and 56, 22 and 52, 35 and 50. So wow. he met, he's missed, he didn't miss that many games in 2021 because that was the COVID shortened year. Right. Um, yeah. So that's, but 22 and 52 is, though. yeah. He missed 32 games this year, about, roughly 14 games in 2020, 29 games in 2018-19. And those are the years he's been in San Jose. Wow. And I think we all remember the 2016-17 playoffs almost single-handedly willed a not very good Senators team to the conference conference finals game seven overtime. Wow. I think that's part of the reason also why I like him so much is because that playoff run by them is just burned in my brain for the fact that I can't think of many – playoff performances where it's honestly similar to what we were seeing out of McDavid this year, but he had the help with Drysdale too, but of just a guy who is just willing his team to victory in that way. And is just so clearly far and away the best player on his team and on the ice too, for that matter. And again, I mean, they took Pittsburgh to seven games right in the conference finals that year. Yep. And he was just still just so noticeably playing above everyone else. I just, I gained a ton of respect for him in that series, just seeing how he was able to play, even though obviously it was Ottawa and but like, it was really a sight to behold and like really, really special seeing again, the way that he's just able to elevate everyone around him, or he was able to elevate everyone around him in that series. I mean, his skating is just back then it was poetic. It was beautiful the way that he was able to skate and just how, good he was with the puck on his stick and not to just use you know a bunch of hockey jargon but it was really just everything about his game I know people will like go even at his defense but like he was so good offensively that you can't even try and discredit him for anything like that because of just how much he was really able to take over for them especially on that playoff run oh yeah yeah it was honestly he's one of those guys like mcdavid this year where it's like can you win the con smith without making the cup right well that's what i mean though is like can you think of uh, i mcdavid is obviously just due to the recency of it an easy one to think of but an example of a guy who just single-handedly was really taking his team over the top like that and the way that carlson was in that playoff run because i can't at least in recent memory to that degree i should say yeah not really because that ottawa team not, not very good. Not very no. good. No. Who was so who else was on it? Mark Stone, Mike Hoffman. Bobby Ryan. Um, I think wasn't Jean Gabriel Peugeot. Yeah, I was just about to say JG Peugeot, I'm pretty sure. 
who else was on it? Let's look. Let let let's take a trip down memory lane and talk about this Senators team really quick here. Because now, oh I'm boy, curious. is this a Craig Anderson special? Oh my God, no way. Hmm. I didn't consider this. Is this and also is this going to be before or after the Jabanis ad trade? Jabanis ad. I think this would have been after, right? So they traded him at this point. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you had Carlson. I mean, in, let's look at the playoff stats, actually. Yeah. Carlson, 18 points in 19 games. Bobby Ryan had 15 and 19. Oh, yeah. Mike Hoffman, Derek Broussard. Broussard, is, Broussard is who they got one for one for Zabanish head. Yep. And then our old friend Clark MacArthur was there as well. Wow. Clark MacArthur. Yep. 31-year-old Clark MacArthur at the time. Nine points in 19 games. Hmm. One more than Mark Stone had in the same amount of games. Wow. Um, but yeah, then you have Dion Phaneuf, yeah. wow, Alex Burroughs, Mark Mathot, Chris Weidman, Ryan. Yeah, wow, Ryan Zingle. And then yeah, that was a that was Craig Anderson, man. Craig Anderson. Craigie Anderson. Here we go. He was a spry 36. Oh, yes. Wow. wow, I didn't realize, too, that he was really split down the middle with Mike Condon during the regular season. They both played 40 games that year. Mike Condon? Really? Yeah, dude. Yeah. Wow. And then Anderson, obviously, was the starter in the playoffs and played 19 games. Condon had two appearances that he came in relief for. Wow. Mike Condon. Wild stuff. Yeah. There's probably a joke to make there. Yep. <laughs> About nothing getting through. But I'll let someone else make that. Someone at home, make a good Mike Condon joke and send it to me. Um, so before we get to whatever we're going to talk about next, let's hear a word from our sponsors, DraftKings. Hockey fans, the pursuit for the Stanley Cup is on. And DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports. New customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what, win or lose. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the playoffs? With DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets, like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more. It's your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So, Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN for the Hockey Podcast Network. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details and responsible gambling resources. So, not much else to talk about. We will be pretty busy after next week because now, I mean, we don't know when the cup's going to end, but it's every two days from now till the end. So it's within, I think, so you're listening to this on a Monday. By next Tuesday, we will know for sure. And probably before then, the way things are looking. It honestly could be next, this this week, this this Wednesday, it could be mm-hmm. that maybe we'll record if it's 3-0. But right after that, we're going to have a really quick turnaround. Because yep. the, so the last possible day for the cup is the 28th, I think, or the 29th, 28th. Uh, the draft is the 7th of July. And we obviously have the 4th of July holiday right in there. And then after that, you're going to have 
the first day of free agency. I think, is it July 13th? Mm-hmm. I think right after, yeah. So within two weeks, we're going to have both the draft and free agency, which means obviously we're going to be talking about both of those before they happen. Draft should be interesting, especially because the Sabres have so many picks. Um, there's some trade some trade stuff floating around on Twitter today about the Sabres using picks. I don't know. What I would like see? to say this. Well, I'm not going to say too much about what I saw. It's not worth not worth it. But what I'll say is anyone making a Pat Kane trade for the Sabres and what, we sh- what they should get back, guys, he only has one year left in his contract. You're not giving up the Vegas pick, Dylan Cousins, None of those guys. I saw that. Yeah, I did For see that. One the year. That's not happening. Bowl of sin and 16 thing. I was like, are you? You what? have no idea what? if he wants to sign here. People just assume that he's going to, oh, yeah, I'd love to sign in Buffalo. You don't know. Right. And if he did, then wait a year. <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing. Like, he will be a free agent. If he really wants to sign here so bad, he can sign here. He can go somewhere else next year. Ugh. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, my whole thing with Kane with this too is way too many people look at Kane and say like, oh, of course, who wouldn't want to play for their hometown and think of themselves? And there's a few reasons why that could be flawed. One is that Pat Kane left to play uh, junior hockey when he was 14. It's not the same thing as like growing up somewhere like the way we did. Like, I mean, obviously I've lived here with the exception of college in the first few months after college. I've lived here my whole life. That's obvious. But like someone who starting when they're 14, they're a part-time resident and I believe in 2015, sold his full-time residence here. I don't know that he's lived here at all in the past seven years, six years, whatever. Like, that's – it's fundamentally different. Like, it's home for sure, but, like, he's now lived in Chicago for most of the year, every year for 15 years. And that's after four years of living out in the Midwest, like, not at home for most of the, the school year and hockey year. So that's, that's all I'm saying. I mean, if you want to sign him anyway, we just don't expect that he's going to be like, oh, I'll come to Buffalo for cheap because I'd love to be to be here. I mean, it's different. Imagine your life when you were 14. It's it's a long time ago. Mm-hmm. I can't say I know what's going on in his head or how he views Buffalo, but just understand that it's it's not it's not the same thing as like us wanting to play for the Sabres, which I don't. Right. Too much pressure. I couldn't handle it. I think you could. Well, that's that's very nice of you, but I don't I don't <laughs> know. Fair enough. Yeah, I agree. I mean, well, I should say the ridiculous nature of these pain proposals aside, I am very much looking forward to ramping up our draft talk to I've been doing a lot more research on the prospects. And I think that over these next couple of weeks, and once we get through to, uh, you know, the end of the, the season and, you know, the Stanley Cup concludes, then you're going to start to hear a little bit more rumors going around to some guys who are rising and falling, get a little bit of a better idea. I think the really interesting thing too about the draft right now is that there's a lot of guys who, and even a lot of the ones that I've talked about on here, who the consensus on is just so all over the board where there are guys that people think, Oh, they might not even be there at nine for us. And then there's other people who are like, Oh, they might still be there at 16. You know, I've seen Frank Nazar, for example, people saying that he'd be there at nine and at 16. Same goes for guys like Connor Geeky. Cutter Gauthier is another guy too, who I feel like is just all over the place. Some people have him as like potentially in the top five. And then other people think that he'll be there for the 16th pick for the Sabres. So again, I talked about this a few weeks ago, but 
I think the really exciting thing about this year's draft compared to other years where, you know, say like the cousins year where we knew around where our like cousins, I think fell maybe a little bit farther down than people thought he would, but we knew that it would be like him or Zagris would be in that area. And then you also look to like the Jack Quinn year and you knew just generally speaking, like Marco Rossi was going to be around there. I mean, obviously Jack Quinn too, but like Cole Perfetti, those guys were going to be there, you know, where there's like two or three guys kind of zeroed in on at each pick. I feel like with this year, unlike most other years, just the range of where guys can go is greater than I've seen, at least in draft coverage over the past. I mean, really, since I've like kind of really started to like really pay attention to the draft. So like seven, eight years, probably like I, I feel like I really kind of started to get into draft stuff like the Reinhardt year. So, oh, my God, that's almost 10 years, actually. Jesus Christ. Um, Wait, but- really? Oh my God. Yeah. It's nine or it was eight years ago. But yeah. Jesus. Wow. This is the 10 year anniversary of Gergensen's Gregorenko draft. That's something that I don't think anybody needs to start off their Monday being reminded of, but yes, that is the case. One of them's still here. Oh boy. And the other one will always still be here living in our nightmares. Living in a Jersey you own. <laughs> it's not in my apartment right now. That is, that is locked away in a closet at my dad's. Wow. I don't it's think like I the, have the end of Indiana season. Jones. It's What's being, that? It's like the end of Indiana Jones. Like it's being covered by top men. It's being, exactly. it's being handled by them. I have two armed guards standing in front of that closet in my dad's house that they work 24 seven. Smart. Yeah. Smart. Don't want anybody don't getting want... access to that. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I, I just, but like I said, I guess just to wrap up that point, I'm, I'm really excited to see, how draft boards are going to continue to shake out as we get closer. And once we get in, I mean, we're already less than a month out now. So once we get into that like two week window leading up to the draft, I think maybe we'll see things start to firm up a little bit more, but either way, there's just so many guys who are going to be in contention from like the seven to 20 range that I feel like any of them can go maybe more like seven to like 18 a little bit more accurately that can go anywhere within that range. And you don't really know, like if it would be that surprising or not quite yet. So yeah, really excited for that. And then also like we're talking about too, with just free agency, I mean, that's going to be great. I don't think the Sabres are going to be crazy active or anything, but I think that that's more likely than not that that's the route they're going to take to end up finding their goalie. We'll see on that. But then you also have to consider the trade market as well too. I, I think that there's just a lot of really interesting options available for the Sabres right now and regardless of whether it's through trades or free agency the dudes are going to have to spend some money to get to the cap floor so we're going to have a lot to be covering over this next month month and a half here absolutely it's going to be very very interesting absolutely yes so do you have any recommendations for the people uh why don't you go first do you have any we might have a dual one oh is it stranger things are you completed yet I'm not, I'm actually finishing it tonight. Oh, that's tonight good. being we, Sunday night. I'm finishing it then. Oh, uh, we can maybe we can do it Wednesday then. If you if you you think you're going to choose to recommend it. Yeah, I, I'm sure I will. I've liked it a lot so far. Oh, okay, that's good. Well, let me see if I can come up with something else then. If, if I watched anything, hmm. You know what? I I could do one that would annoy you, but I'm not since I'm Go such ahead. a nice guy. What? I'm going to do a different one. Is it going to be? Re- no, I'm not going to do it. I rewatched um, a movie I haven't seen in a little bit, but it's one of my favorite movies, The Other Guys. 
Oh, cool. And I came to the conclusion that it still rules. I don't know why it doesn't get the respect of the other uh, Will Ferrell comedies of of yesteryear. Mm. It is absolutely a a great, great comedy. Wait, what was the one, though, that you were was going to make me mad? What were you going to recommend, like the Golden State Warriors or something? No, that would have been funnier, though. Uh, What was it, though? I'm curious. Jackass (laughs) 4.5. Is there (laughs) making another one? No, no, no. So it's basically some of the stunts that didn't make it, plus like a a behind-the-scenes documentary type thing. Why they decided to do it? Some of the new people, some of the things, because they like. There's, I mean, there's a ton of stuff that doesn't make every one of these, and a ton of stuff that's like 30 seconds in the movie, but was a whole day of shooting. So that was interesting. But anyway, the other guys, which I think is, uh, it's it's really Adam McKay's step from the Step Brothers world to making like the Big Short. And I think it's really good. Like the commentary isn't as direct, but it's it's almost better than anything else. Like it's so much funnier and uh, in some ways better than Don't Look Up because it's it's way more subtle. Like and it's telling a story instead of like trying to be like just just this not at all uh, subtle representation of how people view the media right now or things like that or political situation. It's just it's hilarious, first of all. Uh, it comes right on the heels of the financial collapse, and so much about it's funny. It it perfectly understands Mark Wahlberg and how his you know he's good at machismo, but he's like it it totally undercuts that and makes him like kind of ridiculous. Uh, it has Will Ferrell's weird thing where like women are inexplicably attracted to him, which kind of un- like is a way of making fun of Adam Sandler, like having an inexplicably hot wife in every movie yeah or or that's a comedy trend in general Eva Mendes yeah yeah Eva Mendes is his wife in that one so there's a bunch of stuff like that that works Michael Keaton is so good in it yes how he won't acknowledge it he keeps saying TLC lines he works at Bed Bath and Beyond for his second job have you done Uh, this as a recommendation this season I feel like we've talked about like that specifically the Michael Keaton thing we probably brought that up but no I haven't watched it in, in a few years uh before I, I watched it over the course of two weekends because I fell asleep the first time. Nice, uh, but like The Rock and uh, Samuel Jackson, the aim for the bushes thing, that's good. The the, oh the, the whisper fight at the funeral home, like every every scene is hilarious. I didn't mention the Christina thing with the guy who is Murray in Stranger Things. That dude, I feel like, is in so I, I'm realizing with each passing day or each, I guess I should say, like just seeing people remind me on Twitter how much stuff he's really in. Yeah, he's everywhere. He's he is like a, a a side secondary character in so many different movies and TV shows. Yeah, Fleabag even he's in. I haven't ever watched that. I've heard great things, but yeah, it's good. He's he's kind of like um an even skeevier version of Murray. Not quite as funny or conspiratorial as Murray, but like you know, maybe or maybe Murray is kind of like every once in a while like uh yeah, why are you telling those teenagers to sleep together? Yeah, giving them alcohol, but it's like way darker than that in Fleabag. But yeah, it's like the other guys, I think it's it's my favorite of the feral comedies, but I think it at least should be mentioned on that level. And like it, you know, it brought Adam McKay from like that guy to the guy that got nominated for Oscars, which eventually ended up with him being uh, the most annoying guy of all time. So that's not great, but it was a good step on the journey. Not, you know, not the bad step. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. I like it. All right, I actually did just remember something. I feel like I need to get away from because i do a lot of music recommendations obviously and i feel like i rely too much on just newer albums that i've listened to or just albums that i've heard for the first time in a while so i think to keep uh 
keep it fresh, I guess, and just keep it so that I have something every week. I should just start just recommending albums that I like, or if there's anything timely, I guess, relating to them. So I'm going to do that for this one. Because over the weekend, Paul McCartney celebrated his 80th birthday. Oh, my God. Yeah. I had the pleasure of seeing him in Syracuse a few weeks back, and it was a great show. It was my fourth time seeing him in concert. The other three prior, I saw him in Buffalo, Chicago, and Washington, D.C. over the the past 10 years. But for my recommendation, I'm going to recommend one of my favorite albums of the 70s, one of the best albums of the 70s, Band on the Run. Classic album, probably the most popular Wings album, but it is just top to bottom, a fantastic record. Of course, it opens up with Band on the Run being the title track, but other great, great, great jams on that record like Jet, Mrs. Vanderbilt, Let Me Roll It, which I think is one of Paul's best post Beatles, other like best post Beatles songs. Probably, honestly, like there's probably, I would say, five songs on Band on the Run that would be considered among Paul's best post Beatles work. Really, really great album. Really interesting story behind it as well. So when they were going to record it, they wanted to, because it came out in 1973, and so they wanted to do something different uh, for the recording of the album and not just record it like in England or whatever. So Paul ended up looking at uh, the list of different EMI studios, which is his record label at the time that were based throughout the world. And one of them was in, I believe, Lagos. So they ended up going there to record the album, not realizing that the studio there was really not in great shape and not to the caliber of a studio that a former Beatle would be, you know, wanting to record an album in. But what's even more interesting about it is that one night while Paul and Linda, his wife at the time, who was also a member of Wings, were out walking around through the city, they ended up getting robbed and jumped. And one of the things that ended up getting taken from him was Paul's demos to the entire Band on the Run album. So he had to rewrite i'm pretty sure about like half of the record because he didn't have anything to refer to anymore and his tapes that he had were taken away and he was never able to get them back so it's kind of funny to think that it ended up being you know one of the most famous albums you know obviously band on the run is one of the best songs of the 70s but that it's very inconvenient right yeah it could have looked drastically different but i think even though that happened, it ended up working out okay, considering there are so many recognizable, unbelievable sing-along songs. Other great song on there too, which I like my favorite song to play on the piano is 1985, which absolutely kills it. On top of that though, like I said, there's there's just like a lot of really great songs. It's just one of those really classic, great top to bottom, no skips records. So happy birthday, Paul. I'm a big believer that Paul, if anybody's listening to the show, you guys know, or just like follow me on social media, you know, I'm a huge Beatles fan. They're tied for my favorite band. And I think Paul is the greatest artist of all time in the history of popular music. So very uh, honored to be able to have seen him recently for the fourth time. And hopefully next year, I'll be able to see him for a fifth. If he ends up going on tour again, but yeah, we'll go with band on the run, Paul McCartney and wings. 1973 go check that one out if you're looking for something a good throwback to listen to any last thoughts taylor as a big music guy are you excited for the upcoming elvis uh baz lerman movie yes and no like i feel like a lot of the biops we've biopics we've been getting 
have been hit or miss a little bit just in terms of like they get all miss <laughs> they're kind of all miss i mean i liked rocket man a lot but i yeah. think i liked it because they took a different approach to it exactly they, um it's funny that bohemian rhapsody got nominated for best picture when it was the exact same story as dewey cox <laughs> it's just the dewey cox thing again dewey cox i thought was just gonna destroy these musical biopics but i guess uh not enough people saw it well there you go a classic nonetheless though but i i mean i'm gonna see it for sure like i'm interested in seeing it and austin butler i think is his name the actor who's playing him right yep yeah he seems like he's doing he puts in a pretty good performance with it so i don't know i'm curious to see how it's gonna be i i mean i'm excited for it i guess in the sense that like i like music and i like music history a lot and so i think regardless of what it is like like a movie like this i'm gonna want to go see it either way um so I'll, i guess I'll, I'll go into it with some cautious optimism but i'm not gonna also sit here and pretend that i'm like a huge elvis fan or anything like that so either way i mean i i just hope it's like a fun movie i guess i'm not expecting it to like blow the doors off or anything but if it's just like fun and they do it creatively uh in a unique way you know i think it'll be it'll be good i don't know what do you think are you excited to see are you gonna even see it in the first place yeah i'm gonna see it it well i i think you're right on about rocket man it was okay because it was different it wasn't just going by the standard music biopic formula and this is a baz Luhrmann movie he's in, like God, he makes insane stuff so that's right that's it. You, i think one you have to get re- really weird to make these things worth it at this point right and i'll say this one request that is just the most like baseline of asks and you and I have talked about this frequently don't make stuff up yeah all well, of these people yeah. have extremely interesting lives and careers and you do not need to over dramatize or just make stuff up out of thin air like how they did in bohemian rhapsody you yeah. just don't need to freddie mercury was an inter- and queen in general is an interesting enough band and subject that you don't need to do that. Like just keep it so that everything in there is historically accurate and that you're not just like integrating little bits of fiction in throughout the movie. Yeah. Like you you probably have to massage some timelines like all these things do. And maybe you you throw in something that you you exaggerate something or other, but like, yeah, people would be surprised to hear how much of Bohemian Rhapsody is fake. It almost makes it seem like, what was the point of this movie? Because it's not, it doesn't make it that much more interesting. It makes it a story that's a neater story than what happened, how real life just naturally unfolds. But like the big thing is like, they perform at Live Aid, they get together ever. They haven't performed together for years because Freddie Mercury wanted to go solo. It's like, well, you know what? In real life, Brian May also went solo before Freddie Mercury because that guy has an unbelievably outsized ego <laughs> and thought he was a star of Queen. And it didn't go well, so Freddie Mercury went, had a solo album as well. And then they played together for two years before Live Aid. So none of that stuff was true. There was no Mike Myers character telling them that their stuff would never be a hit because it was already a hit in America. Mm-hmm. People in other places of the world were like trying desperately to, to get the rights to play their music in whatever country or you know radio stations, all that stuff. Like... There really wasn't that much of a struggle. And they didn't write songs by just being like, what if I stop my foot a couple times and do like the dun dun sh-? That's not how, I mean, everyone should know that's not how that works. But I don't know. A lot of that, man, that movie was really stupid. Uh, yeah, the Baz Luhrmann thing will be interesting because he's the one who directed Romeo and Juliet about 25 mm-hmm. years ago, which is a wild twist on Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, it's insane. So, I'm excited to see what he does here. He's made a lot of interesting movies. 
All right. Well, you just got me even more excited for it then. <laughs> cool. All right, Taylor. Anything else you'd like to share before we sign off for the day? Uh, nope. Okay. That sounds good to me then, everybody. Well, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. Make sure you're checking out both the presenters of this podcast on their respective websites. Wherever you're listening to this episode right now, make sure you're going and checking out all of our fellow shows on both networks and follow them on social media as well. You can find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where you can also find us, Straight Up Sabres. Make sure you're following us and keeping up with all that we're going to be talking about again as we're getting into the offseason here and getting a little bit more active on our social media channels again. Last but not least, as Taylor mentioned earlier, make sure you're going over to DraftKings and using promo code THPN at checkout to take advantage of great deals. We'll be back with a brand new episode on Thursday, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Straight Up Sabres. We'll talk to you on Thursday. Same.